0: Welcome to SEC Football Live here on the 440 Sports Network and that SEC podcast. His name is SEC Mike. My name is Braden Gall. And thanks for hanging out with us today on the pod. Give us a little subscription button, by the way, at that, that SEC podcast or over on the 440 Sports Network as well. Got a lot of stuff up for you guys right now. And if, of course, if you listen on the podcast feed, we do appreciate that as well. Give us a five-star review. The It's the only number of stars I like. If you do not give <laughs> us a five-star review, you are, as Bomani would say, a hater. <laughs> That's all i gotta say. <laughs> well, speak, How are you, Mike? Mike? What's up, man?
1: Speaking of being a hater, I just got off the phone with uh someone I know. You're you're a fan of Braden, Mr. Billy Lucci from Texas, and we were just hating on Texas and Sarkesian. We'll save that conversation. We didn't record it or anything, but there will be a recorded <laughs> conversation soon on all, that very topic. I would imagine.
0: I, I love it. You're like, no, we we weren't talking on into a microphone we were just talking shit just like a, a general talking shit i like that right I do, I do appreciate that uh so today on the show uh i work for for those that do not know i've worked at athlon sports since before being married since before becoming a father uh i've worked at athlon sports since 2007 and this is sort of our time of year where we get to put the magazine together it comes out in late we put it to bed at the end of april comes out middle of may depending on what 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 you know, whatever the box cutter boy in the back room at, at the grocery store decides to open the boxes and put it on the shelves. But around the end of May, but we're working on it right now. And we already have our early preseason top 25 rankings up on the website, of course. Uh, I know you've had Steven Lassen on many times uh, over on our website at 440. You, of course, can see all the different videos for SEC teams that are ranked in the preseason top 25. So we're going to react. I want your reaction, Mike, to what you've seen from our list so far. Uh, I would like the audience reaction to what you've seen from our list so far. And, of course, we'll get into some of the other teams around in college football that might be challenging to take away some of those playoff spots from those teams that we like this year in the SEC. We have eight teams in the SEC ranked in the top 13. It's kind of all you need to know about what we think about the top half of this conference. But there's a lot of other teams that could break out and become this year's Ole Miss or this year's Missouri. So we'll get into that a little bit later on as well. So way too early preseason top 25 talk on the show today, if you're cool with that, if everybody's cool with that. so
1: I am. And shout out to uh, Bo. I mean, he's in here. Seemingly before I am every week. Sandman's Man's always in here. Jeff Knox. We got we got a lot of people. Gabe in here. So thank uh, you. Appreci- guys. Appreciate you guys joining us on the live feed. But uh, yeah, I, quick question, Braden, because yep. I know I, everybody does it a little bit differently. Are these? I know you're calling them preseason, so that's kind of obvious. But are these? You know, where you project at, by the end of the season, or is this just entering? No games played. Uh, what what's the criteria
0: here? I think it's a great question. And I know you put out your power rankings, I think last week on the show. So I, I'd be curious sort of to, to compare sort of the exercises to your point of the question. We do try to project wins and losses for every team in every game. And what we do in our, in our preseason top 25, because actually the magazine gets graded against all other preseason publications, digital or otherwise, and for a long time, there was only four or five print, print magazines. Now, I don't know how much longer that's going to be, uh, but we were always graded against each other and we're graded on how accurate we were at the end of the year. So it is a it's a bit of a here's what we think right now mm. about what we think is going to happen then, if that makes sense. So it's not like a true power ranking of we think today team X is better than team Y again, what we have Alabama ranked where we have Alabama because we think they're gonna do a lot of damage in the portal. We think they're gonna come back and add some pieces to their roster. then we look at their schedule and think they could they could end up at 10 and two, for example, hypothetically and finish at number five and that puts them into the playoff and that's where we you know but not have not necessarily in the SEC championship game. So it's absolutely a projection of where we think these teams are gonna end and how they're gonna finish. Uh, but it but it's also has to be viewed through the lens of our current, List so I don't know how di- how different do you think that is from because I know you and me and Steven have talked about this a lot. How different do you think that is from what you do with like a Power Rankings, for example, on January you know thirty first or whatever?
1: Yeah, so if I put it out January thirty first or October first, it don't matter the day. It's Team A meets Team B on a neutral field. Who am I picking to win a game in it? And I think I you have to keep it as fluid as humanly possible. Sure and. I think, which hey, we this is what we do for a living, Braden. We sit here and we t- we talk about these teams for months on end before the games get here, and that's fun. But as soon as that ball's kicked, come August thirty first, whatever the hell the first game is, that I throw all that in the trash because it's meaningless to me. You know, there, there's been many a time where A and M's been preseason top ten, and then they lose to Appalachian. Just the one time, you know, and, and then <laughs> that happened, you can't, we can't, we can't, everything we said six for six months is irrelevant. You know what I mean? So I, I, I lean 99.9% on, I, it always bugged me even growing up, like people would pick and, and I don't know why I remember this and I, I don't mean to pick on Lee Corso cause he's an icon, but I think it was Lee Corso. He, he picked like Virginia tech to, to win the national championship. I think it's, this would have been like Vic's junior year or something stupid like that. And then late in the season, he's picking games. They were like, "Why are you picking Virginia Tech?" He said, "Well, I picked them in the, to win the championship, so I got to stay with that." Like, I that I don't know. I just think that logic's asinine. Like, you you go with week yeah. to week, and you and you change things. What what you said in the preseason, I've made some stupid picks. I don't
0: sit there all season long and and clutch onto those. You know. Well, it's funny. I think uh, the ability to change your opinion with new information is called being an adult. Just want to <laughs> throw that out there. <laughs> that's what that's called. Um, new I struggle with being an adult though, new, but, I, new, but not that No, part. It, does, it sounds like you're good at it. New, new shit has come to light, man. This is what you pay me for. New, new information has come to light. No, I, I, I think you can. So I've had these arguments with Athlon folks, like me and Steven's boss, for example, we would have huge debates like week two and three of the season where a team would have one good win and the other teams will have played nobody. I, I think it is a blending of all of the knowledge you compile studying rosters and depth charts and coaches with like a, a look back at history, understanding, you know, Mike Elko's teams are really good at this or, you know, Lane Kiffin's teams are really good at X, Y or Z. And you blend that knowledge with as the data comes in, you have, you you change your, your list. And and again, some teams have wild swings. Auburn has been one where they win a national championship and then go 0 and 8. There's certainly by the end of the season, though, it's still is all that matters. It doesn't have to, it doesn't matter what we rank teams in week three or week six or week nine. All that matters is what happens at the end of the year. Now, I'm curious what you think, though about the committee, because I've always, you know, I've had these arguments with our my listeners for, I don't know, 20 years now, and then 10 years for the playoff, which is the committee's ranking teams with all these complicated data points and all, these, all this nuance and analytics and the eye test and sc- strength of schedule and everything else, which is good. I want the committee to have as much stuff as possible to make a good decision. But ultimately, doesn't it boil down to, all right, right now, today, if team A played team B on a neutral field, who do you think is better? Isn't that ultimately what the committee, like? and you say that, and then certain fans get upset that that's how you're defining the role of the committee. Does that, does that make sense?
1: Yeah, but I, I honestly, I think the committee should not do it that way, Braden, because the games matter.
0: You know what I mean? And... Well, but that doesn't that get you, the games get you to a point where you're debating Alabama versus Florida State right? Like all the games matter to get you to a certain point. And then all of a sudden it's Texas versus Alabama. Mm-hmm. And now that, that's a bad example. Cause they actually played, but like Alabama versus Florida state or Florida state versus Georgia.
1: Mm-hmm. It,
0: it, the, at some point you have nothing else to add to the conversation, right? Other than you're guessing at who you think is better. Do you see, does that make sense? Like, right? Well, yeah, I, I think yeah, yeah, I guess I'm
1: talking out both sides of my mouth, but I guess if, if they've not played, I'm fine doing it that way, but then let's say you're. Uh, I'm trying to think of an example. Let's say you're Georgia. If Georgia, even though Georgia lost to Alabama in the AC, uh, SEC championship game, I think the committee could sit here and say, "Well, I think if they played again tomorrow, Georgia wins." You know what I mean? And and I mean, can it? We can't have one set of rules for Florida State, Alabama, and one set of rules for Georgia. Alabama. In Alabama, in my mind, like, because then we're just mixed. Then what's the rule for Michigan versus, uh, you know, Bama? The, right? you know, you know,
0: that, you I, yeah, I agree with you, but that's the way college football has functioned for 120 years. There, You cannot have 133 teams playing even schedules where we all play each other. It's not the NFL. And mm-hmm. Andrew, Andrew Cooper says, committee shouldn't exist. Just base it off results and expand the playoff. Oh, wait, they did. The committee is still the best form in our current structure of picking the best teams because there's no chance. And we'll see this in our conversation today. If Ole Miss and Missouri, hypothetically in 2024, are 10 and 2, and Penn State and Notre Dame are 10 and 2, there is no way we can let the results decide which of those four teams is better. They will have not played; none of those four teams will have played each other. I don't think, based on the schedules, and and you can't base it off one game if there's a common opponent. You have to base it off all 12 games, and you have to base it off everything you think. Right? Strength of schedule, talent, coaching how healthy the team might be at the time, resume, wins, analytics, etc. You have to take everything into account. And I, I, I Andrew, Andrew's point is valid if you have equal schedules. And I think we'll be there at some point when it's just the power two and it's the Big Ten and the SEC and those are the only two leagues that have spots in the playoff, then it'll be based exclusively on record. But I'm telling folks right now in SEC country, you better be ready for this. If Ole Miss is it is it finishes with one law. Lo- There's going to be times where we have teams tied for second place in the conference. I'm going to say second. Cause Georgia is going to be first this year, mm-hmm. but tied for second place. And they will not have played each other. And the sec is going to have to have a tiebreaker to put a team into the conference championship game. That is going to piss people off. It is going to be very upsetting. It is a new thing we got to deal with. I'm trying to
1: get on your eye level here. I'm struggling. You new, new <laughs> want me to come down?
0: You want me to come down? <laughs> <laughs> look, look there yeah. we go. Is that better? <laughs> That's a little bit better. Look, you got you got I got the stadium up there. So yeah, um, I got the new backdrop. Yeah, I got Jason Isbell back here. So, um, I how insufferable will Wiffin be if that happens, Braden? Look, if Lane Kiffin gets left out of the SEC championship game because they didn't play a team they needed a tiebreaker over, I can imagine he'll be pissed. But they do play Georgia this this year, I think. So right. That won't in, be the problem. in Oxford this time. Yeah, that won't be the problem this time. I don't know. I just think it's interesting. I think, I think it's okay to say when you have no other, record, when you have no other data to use to, to try to decide, and that's still what's going to happen in the new playoff, and we can look at our rankings now and look at eight teams in the top 13 in the SEC, you're then going to have – we've got LSU at 13. If you go to the 440 Sports YouTube page, you can see all these rankings. But LSU at 13, Oklahoma at 12, Tennessee at 11, and while Tennessee and Oklahoma play each other, there's a chance that a lot of these teams won't play each other. Missouri at 8, Ole Miss at 6, Alabama at 5, Texas at 3, and Georgia at number 1. And if you look at those teams trying to make the playoff, there's a really good chance that the committee's going to have to decide how many out-large spots are we going to have, 7? The committee still has to pick spots based on something. And if t- Alabama, Missouri, Ole Miss, Tennessee, and Oklahoma are all 10-2, and two, they're gonna to have to decide on something. They have to. They have to use something to decide.
1: Yeah, no, that's true. I, I, I see what you're saying, but I mean, at the end of the day, I think now that we're at 12, I'm not gonna to feel too bad for number 13. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Right. Well, it's why the committee
0: we're not gonna have 13 undefeated, you know. Well, it's why the it's why people don't get outraged over Team 69. Nice. In the in the basketball tournament, it's because at at some point you expand the playoffs so much that it you just can't complain. Like at some point, if you are why do whatever, you hate Missouri? That's that's what me and the fans want to know. I love I was I love Missouri. Number eight in the nation preseason. Disrespect too, lo- too low. Disrespectful. Um, uh, Michael says we had this the experiment with the BCS computer analytics mixed with other factors. Not sure how good that was. I would argue almost perfect because how many times did a deserving team get left out of the championship? The only one in the SEC you can argue is 0-4 Auburn, honestly. Um, but there, and to his point, but I don't know what else is clearly best. The only best way to do it is by record, but the only way to do it by record is if all the schedules are the same, and you can't take fifty teams and play the same schedules. It is inherently flawed, and that's sort of the beauty of the game. I don't know. I find it you have to you have to embrace the imperfection, right? Embrace debate, apparently. No imperfection. Oh, okay. I don't have to embrace debate. <laughs> Florida State fans are still debating it. Oh, I, I think, man. If it, you know what I was thinking about the other day, if Florida State had just lost, like if Clemson had made one play. So Clemson and Florida State play. They went into overtime. Uh, I'll get Mike. I'll get to who my favorite team is. Uh, overtime is my favorite team. Clemson and Florida State play, and they get to overtime. And if Clemson makes one play, doesn't get their kick blocked covers Keon Coleman one time Florida state loses that game and they have no debate. They have no discussion about being in the playoff. It's a and, and we have a totally different conversation about Dabo and, and the, <laughs> and, and the Clemson tiger direction. Andrew says BCS computers with the 12 team is probably the best. I, I don't know why people are anti-human here. We, we had the BCS for like 13 years and all we did was bitch and moan about how there's no human element. Then we put the human element back in to make sure, just in case, the computers screw it all up. You know what I mean?
1: I, I like Jay Ford. He says, Mizzou coach is a stooge. And Andrew says, yeah, but he's our stooge. <laughs> I
0: like that he's, like he's stooging <laughs> against Oklahoma right now. Um, so if you want to know my team, honestly, I would say uh, – like I went to the University of Tennessee. You got
1: Neyland Stadium over there. I
0: went to the University of Tennessee. But I was raised all over – actually, I lived in Georgia, Texas – illinois indiana connecticut wisconsin i lived all over the place so i I was raised on college football like i learned how to cuss at a texas oklahoma game when i was 11 years old living in austin texas and so i went to a texas ou game with my dad and i learned bad words for the first time (laughs) so i just i've covered college football for espn for rivals.com for athlon sports and for my company I, i love every game i love all the teams i love all the stories i love all the rivalries i love all the pageantry. I, I wouldn't uh, be in this business if I didn't love all of it. So, I mean, did I take my daughters to Newland Stadium against AM and teach them how to cheer, sing Rocky Top? Yes, I did. I did that. So,
1: yeah. as you should have.
0: So, I, I think, but I don't think that's any better or worse than anybody else teaching their kid how to go cheer at their stadium. So, and <laughs> no, but the point is you're trying to brainwash them as a young yeah, Exactly. That, that's what you got to do. Into, into it just means more. Uh, the, I, I will say this, um, all this talk about the playoff structure and the portal and everything else. I want to make sure we come through real clear that I, it's it's uh, Michael it's because our uh communications department is excellent. I just want to put that out there. I didn't take a single one of those name classes. No, I know you did. I know you did. Uh I I think the great news for college football despite all the changes and the panic and the NIL and the investigations and the NCAA and the portal and all this stuff, all this unknown about the future, conference expansion, playoff realignment, it still doesn't change your Saturday afternoon. If you are a Kentucky fan, you are still going to go to the same stadium with the same seat, in the same seat, sing the same fight songs, wear the same color shirt, do the same chants. If you're a Texas A&M fan, same thing. If you're an Ole Miss fan, you're going to hang out in the Grove under a fake glass chandelier and dip your shrimp into that cocktail sauce the exact same way you've always done it. You're never, nothing's going to change.
1: Look at Michael. He's ready for the SEC. I assume he's an Oklahoma fan. Oklahoma Texas game will do that to you. My girlfriend took off her shoe and beat a Texas fan (laughs) with it. Hell yeah.
0: (laughs) Jeff, how do you get a Pete? How do you get a Tennessee grant off your porch? Pay for the pizza. I like that. That's funny. Um, Look, I'm pretty hopeful that the games are still going to be pretty awesome. So I don't know. I I think Auburn. They're going to be better than ever. Now, Big 10?
1: I don't think so, but I didn't think so already. I think SEC is going
0: to be insane. So, looking look at in our preseason rankings for right now number one is Georgia. Number two is Ohio State. Number three is Texas. Number four is Oregon. Number five is Alabama. Number six is Ole Miss. Number seven is Michigan. Number eight is Missouri. Number nine is is Penn State. That is the top nine teams are both are from two conferences. Notre Dame is number 10. They're basically a de facto Big Ten school. And then you have 11 is Tennessee, 12 is Oklahoma, 13 is LSU. That means mm. of the top 13 teams in our preseason ranking so far, things will change before we publish the magazine. 12 out of 13 are from the SEC and the Big Ten. It is going to the playoff is going to be completely dominated by these two conferences. Will it or or will these teams beat up on each other? I think that's where this is. Okay, this is a great way to bring it full circle. That's why you want the human element in the committee, because what happens if Florida let's use Florida as an example this year, because I think Florida has a chance to be better than people think. Not great, but better than people think. But let's play out Florida as the best possible version of itself this year. Like everything goes right. Ron Roberts and Austin Armstrong figured out all the portal players hit, which we know won't happen. But again, just go with me here on the hypothetical. If Florida finishes like nine and three, but their losses are on the road to number, let's call it like eight, Tennessee, they're 10 and two, Tennessee is 10 and two, right? Mm-hmm. And they lose 27, 24 in Knoxville. They lose to, to Georgia in a neutral site in a, in a huge rivalry game
1: right by here. three,
0: three points. And then mm-hmm. they, but then they lose, let's say, to Texas on the road, another playoff team who probably is in the SEC championship game with Georgia. So mm-hmm. they've lost to three playoff teams by, like, one score in each time. They have a mm-hmm. win over LSU, Florida State, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, A&M, Kentucky, Miami, UCF, and Sanford, and they're 9-3. and three. Don't you want a committee to look at that and say, shit, man, they, all three of their losses were to playoff teams away from home by one score? Don't you want the committee to make the case for that team to be in the playoff? Then at that point, yeah.
1: And then Billy Napier leaves for uh, Kentucky. I don't. I don't know. But what, what are you talking about? I was just trying to. I was trying to think who's on hot Arkansas.
0: I, I look, Andrew. I'm not. Den- I'm saying this is all hypothetical. I, I know that Florida's not good enough to do that, but hypothetically, that you want the the a human person on the committee to say, look. We've got to take context into account here. That team is clearly one of the best twelve teams. They played against the best twelve teams, and they belong in the playoff because they're clearly equal to the best twelve teams. How about win some of those games, though? If they're so well, good. I mean, I, I, I gave them wins, right? I gave them wins over over LSU, over Ole Miss. Those are teams that could be in the playoff. You see what I'm saying? Like, mm, now I think I think you got to
1: earn it, and losing close. Looking good in losses. That's not college football I know and love. Okay, it, but how? Why that is that, that? That gets you
0: eliminated. Why is that better than ten and two in the ACC, where you've beat where you've played one playoff team? Because well, this is what I this is yeah. what I don't like about the argument about Georgia last year. Like no one else had to play Alabama in their conference championship game. Mm-hmm. So that's why, like, they didn't have that loss.
1: Oh, yeah. No. Well, if you want to spin it that way, hell yeah. You, you should have to win 11 in a weak-ass ACC to get in. That's what I'm
0: saying. You asked the question, what happens if they beat up on each other? Mm-hmm. And my answer is then you need a committee of humans to use context and logic to see, like, look, this team played nine top 25 teams. <laughs> like, if you play nine top 25 teams, you're not going to win all of them. That's just not like, even Georgia didn't do that last year. And Georgia might be the best team in America. Mm-hmm. Michigan played, like, three top 25 teams. They didn't have to, you know, like, they played Iowa and Maryland and Michigan State. Like, these aren't elite teams. So it's, it kind
1: of sounds like you're saying should not go to nine games in the SEC. Well, I'm Should torn not on beef that. up the non-conference because it's just going to make it just incredibly difficult.
0: Well, I think – I think this is what Greg Byrne athletic director at Alabama and Greg Sankey are doing right now. I think all these people are doing this. They're going to watch the committee the last 2 the next 2 years and they're going to see what is valued by the committee. If the committee doesn't hurt you for losing a really good non-conference game and doesn't hurt you for a second or a third loss and they value that depending on the quality of the game then we know Greg Byrne has said openly I I we are not going to schedule any more cupcakes we want to schedule things for our season ticket holders and for our television partners to draw ratings and to sell tickets Mm. i'm pro nine games because i want more sec football and i think the cream rises to the top no matter what
1: how could we be sitting here and wanting to see two or three years of committee
0: though we got a schedule to make in 2025 and 2026 I i think they're gonna i mean they're gonna make the schedules what i'm saying is they're studying what the committee values in the first this whole first two years is an experiment for everybody because the the real deal doesn't kick in for two more years. There's a, they can change it all in, in the third. But well, what do we do about
1: Texas, Texas A and M, Auburn, Georgia, Tennessee, Bama, while we're take my, sitting
0: around waiting? talking about rivalry games. Yeah. Well, this is why I'm in favor of the nine model. Like uh, it, three and six in a nine game model makes perfect sense. You protect three rivalry games each week each year. You rotate the other six, and if the committee shows you that it values strength of schedule and quality which it could do, then I think we're good to go. Because we know, we know the big dogs in the SEC want it, and we know Greg Sankey wants it. Uh, I, I know for a fact that the, the office in Birmingham wants it because they want to sell more assets to their television partners and tickets to their customers. Mm-hmm. That's just, that's just a fact.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: no, I, all right. I, I hear you. Uh, all right, do you have any questions? Do you have any issues with our top... With our teams in the top 25? What issues oh, yeah. do you have? Oh, right, yeah. lay, lay it on me, Big Daddy.
1: First of all, Texas, number three. That's a joke. Okay. I don't get it. Why? Uh, Sarkeesian, average, average ass coach. Uh, yeah, Again, I just got off the phone with. Uh, <laughs> well,
0: you're, t- you're tainted then. You're tainted <laughs> with, with O'Billy. I,
1: I mean, I didn't fact check him by any means, but we were looking at the last two years under Sark. And there's about seven. It was either seven or nine. We couldn't figure it out on the phone. But it, regardless, he's he's got two wins, and the rest are losses. In, in every team he's faced, with equal or superior talent, and and most of the time he's had he's had a shit ton more talent than. And I'm talking teams like Washington, Oklahoma, and he's losing these damn games. So I, why? I I don't know. I mean I. Again, I I get further and further on this island. I'm I'm the only one out here, apparently, that doesn't have C. Sarkeesian as a top five coach in the country. I don't even know if I'd put him top five in the SEC right now. And this is with a lesser, you know, there's a coaching void in the SEC following Nick Saban. So I don't know. I I don't get it. Now, can he run wild through the Big 12 that only has one team that, that recruits on his level? And hell, he lost to them last year. Which is the best year? You know what I mean. So, I I just I don't get why we're just giving it to Texas. Now, they could prove me wrong because they because this is, I think it, clearly his team last year was the best team he's ever coached, not just at Texas but wherever he's been. So credit to him. They're 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 trending. They got to the playoff. They won the Big Twelve. Now they come into the SEC. If they go ten and two, 11 and one, something like that, he's completely validated. But if they go eight and four, then I feel I'll be validated.
0: I mean, eight, eight and four, your first year in the sec wouldn't be terrible. So I don't, I mean, top five in the sec, I would probably have them at three or four. Um, You know, smarts, number one, Brian Kelly's probably number two. I think you can have a discussion then about Steve Sarkeesian, Kalen DeBoer, Lane Kiffin, Josh Heupel, probably the next four you can debate. They're all great, brilliant offensive minds. Um, I, I, Look, I think that you are discounting some of the dysfunction behind the scenes at Texas. The institutional dysfunction that you have to get rid of to sort of align things, which is the only reason Texas got pushed into the SEC in the first place. A guy named Kevin Elteaf, who was the top of the entire university to construct in the state of Texas, got everybody lined up. Uh, Chris Del Conte was going to keep Tom Herman, the athletic director, and the, the power booster said, no, we, we're not going to do that. And they got Steve Sarkeesian hired, so everyone's Bought in for better or for worse with Sark, so they've given him what he needs, and it's given you immediate results. I mean, again, you went on the road and beat Alabama. Alabama has more talent, so you went on the road and beat Alabama. I, I agree that Oklahoma got him, but let's use some context here. They had the lead with a minute to go in that game. Like that was a brilliant. Who cares? Football. You it lost the great... damn game. No, no one cares that Be, because you because because you lose fucking football games sometimes. It's just what happens in the sport. With like, a that's superior called sport. roster. It Oklahoma, happens time and, Texas. and
1: time and time and time again. Oklahoma I just Texas said it. Two, about, two and seven. Two and seven, two and five, whatever the the actual, accurate is. I mean, that's a losing ass record
0: okay, so good teams. Well, are you going to count a guy's first season when he takes over? Like, that's what you're no, going no, we to use to evaluate?
1: We were just talking the last two years. Okay. Which Kiffin won 10 in his second year at, at Ole Miss, Heitel won 11 and, in his second year. After how many, 30 transfers out how many many?
0: How many games for each of those teams did those coaches win with, with significantly less talent? Al- Tennessee over Alabama, that's one. In the most historic, epic performance, maybe in the history of Tennessee quarterback play. Hendon Hooker had to be absolutely pure pure brilliance in that game to win it against Alabama. A- and frankly, if Jameer Gibbs doesn't drop a pass, Alabama wins the game. But again, this stuff matters. Like Josh Heupel didn't beat a bunch of teams that had sub- – Ole Miss loses to teams with better players every single season. That's all that happens. They beat everybody they're supposed to. Not last year. Yeah, they did. The only two games they lost were to teams that had better talent. Like they just no. You said less, less than talent. Well, who did they beat last year that had significantly more talent? Like I'm, you're, you're using the same metric to evaluate Sarkeesian. And again, uh, you have not acknowledged that no one else in college football belongs up where Texas is 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 ranked. Well, the point the Michigan's losing everything.
1: No one. I mean, short of Georgia and Bama, has more talent than Texas. Ohio State has more talent than Texas. Well, they don't play them, so every, everyone else. I mean, you, you got to win these games. I, I if, don't disagree. If you if you got that much talent, so why in the hell is he losing so many? Because I we're think we calling him a top five coach, like it like it's illogical.
0: Well, I, I didn't I didn't do that, but I think one I, I think the argument about building a roster like Auburn lost games last year that they probably shouldn't have to teams that have less talent than them. In year number one, that just is part of the game. That just that just happens. Year number two, it shouldn't happen as much. And by year number three, you should be pretty damn good. And last year, they boat raced everybody they played, including Alabama on the road. Wyoming. And then, and then lost Kansas to State. the defending Big 12 champion, Kansas State. Okay. A very extremely well-coached football team with good quarterback play. I'm, I'm just again, also didn't have their starting quarterback in that game. Don't, make sure you add important context to would, to the games.
1: Would, would the, would the Texas coach, would he switch any of his players for Kansas? I mean, how many, like five, maybe, maybe, maybe the quarterback, <laughs> <laughs> you <laughs> know it. what I mean? Like this, this is a, no, they, be, they beat the here. shit.
0: They beat the shit out of Kansas. I mean, they, they beat the shit out of Kansas. Um, or Kansas state or, or they, they, they had to battle with Kansas state because Quinn Ewers didn't play in the game. But again, case in point, I, I what about Wyoming? It, it, Houston was a better example. Use the Houston game. You're not even using the better examples. Houston is a, is a better example. There's just so many. You can TCU. pick any of
1: them almost, it sounds like.
0: It's almost as if the other guys are on scholarship too, Mike. Unbelievable. And the coaches make millions of dollars to coach football. It's almost as if those guys I don't see Georgia struggling job, yeah. in
1: these games. Or, or Bama.
0: Georgia didn't play anybody last year. <laughs> and, and they beat the hell out of them. That's what you're supposed to do. You Bama didn't play. Bama lost to Texas. I, 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 I don't like being in a stark argument because I don't really think he's one of the top five coaches yet okay but he's on track we're talking about why they would be ranked number three in the preseason as a football team mm-hmm. and it's i just think we're get we're like handing it to him like you got better? I, I feel Oregon? like you gotta earn it who's better I got, Oregon? Uh,
1: I got Ole miss i got bama Ole miss is better than texas Hmm. okay yep i'd, so so, I'd take so them on a neutral field okay hell i would argue missouri even
0: With all they got coming back. Ole Miss has played a team with Texas's talent twice last year and got their ass kicked both times. Not 2024 Ole Miss, 2023 did. Well, you don't know At how 20, good 2024, 2024
1: Ole Miss is. Is returning a ton of production and adding free agents high profile. Probably the top receiver, top defensive tackle. Uh, I mean, they they offensive linemen from Washington, two of them. Okay.
0: You, you know, you think Ole they're, Miss they're shoring up
1: deficiencies. Okay.
0: I think that's, that's a perfectly fair – I mean, Texas is three, Ole Miss is six in our rankings. That's basically the same out of 133. So I'm not – you know, if you think they're better, that's fine. Ole, Ole Miss has yet to ever do it. Um, and Sarkeesian, again, in a Big 12 conference, but with a road win over Alabama, went 12-1, and one, got to the playoff, won a championship, and destroyed almost – like, again, destroyed Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship game. There's context in some of those losses or some of those struggles that they had last year. And, and I think there's institutional dysfunction that they had to rid themselves of. And I think A&M is trying to do that this year by ridding themselves of this institutional dysfunction that can screw everything up. And Texas had to get rid of that entitlement. And I think they've done that in the first three years of Sarkeesian. And ultimately, yes, they are losing a shit ton. Murphy and Sweat off the middle of the defensive line. They're losing Worthy and Mitchell and tight end and two running backs and like they're losing a ton of stuff off that team. But who else in college football is coming back with more? And you can't say that about Ole Miss. They lost their best player. You don't know how good the defense is going to be because every time they faced an elite offense, they could not score. <laughs> or an elite defense, they couldn't score against Alabama or Georgia. Missouri lost way too much leadership off its defense, in my opinion, and their and the heart and soul of their offense in Cody Schrader. I think Missouri's gonna be really good. All these teams are losing stuff. Like, Tennessee's the one that I would point out and go, that's the team that's bringing potentially a lot back. So, I don't know. I just don't – is Oregon better than Texas? Is is Michigan – Michigan's losing everything. Hmm. Uh, is Penn State better than Texas? I, no, they're not. Not right now. Not in a neutral field. Have you seen
1: uh, – I don't even know who did it. I think it's Bill Connolly. His returning production, he just put that out.
0: I haven't seen all of it but I I do respect Bill Connolly. yes.
1: Uh, ten, he's
0: friend of the pod, Bill.
1: Connelly. I was pretty surprised where he's got Tennessee. He's got them um, I have it all written down. It's on the other computer. I apologize, but <laughs> it's uh <laughs> they're like 11th in the SEC in returning production. And like
0: what well, is that because right and small leave and that takes like 80% in, of their in rushing offense. Well, and Joe Mil yeah, Joe Milton. Well, again, that's but doesn't everybody agree that's an upgrade though going from Joe Milton to Nico? I mean, right? Yeah, I was just surprised because I don't know. I, I that's not the end all, be
1: all, but it it is something to to, to certainly monitor. That's why a lot of people got hyped up on Missouri last season, all their returning production, yep. Yep. and uh, certainly that that paid off. But
0: uh, Texas A and
1: M is number one on that, so I, I thought weren't, that were among the SEC
0: teams. Weren't they number two last year? In the SEC yes. in returning production, <laughs> yes,
1: they were. <laughs> but Mizzou was one, and A and A&M was two. But they're so now it's. Uh, I think it's flip flop. Missouri is like two or three right now?
0: Well, Missouri is still up there. That's that's really good news. I mean, obviously Cook and Burden is great, um, but losing your coordinator and all the defensive leadership—that's my concern with Missouri. But the schedule still sets up great for Missouri. So again, we have them at preseason number eight. I think Missouri is going to be excellent. I think I think Texas is a vote more on the rest of the college football has major questions. Like, again, I think I saw Bo in the comments say Oregon. I think Oregon has a really good case. Uh, Alabama has a pretty decent case, but they're losing so many star players off their defense. Can they reload? And without Saban, that's kind of all that matters. Michigan loses everything. Uh, Penn State's bringing a quarterback back, but they're losing all their best pieces on both lines of scrimmage. Notre Dame could be solid if Riley Leonard is healthy. Like, there's just nobody there. Like, there's not a team... Georgia and Ohio State are clearly the top two. It's clear that they're the best two teams. I, I don't, there's no one else to, to really put at number three. Uh, you, you know, it's really Texas, Oregon, Alabama, Ole Miss, Michigan, Missouri, and Texas has this returning quarterback and the best offensive line, probably of that group. And I had McGregor, a, a interesting coach.
1: conversation yesterday with Chris Lowe of ESPN, and, you know, with Nick Saban retiring, you see a path. For a lot of SEC teams to, to potentially, you know, because he, he had them under the, his thumb for virtually his entire run there. So, you know, without Alabama, a lot of teams feel like there's more hope. They have a, you know, an opportunity to make a run here in a roundabout way. Does that add pressure? Because you would think without Nick Saban, maybe, you know, these coaches are rejoicing, some of them, yet. Now, if they don't, especially if they don't make the playoff, was his thing. God, without Nick Saban, yeah. Uh, I mean, we're we're going to be getting some some people going to get be getting fired if if we're not making a playoff
0: in a Sabinless SEC. So you're saying not only is there more pressure on Kalen DeBoer, but there's more pressure on other teams. Yeah, I, I think specifically other teams. I mean, Hugh Freeze for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hugh Freeze is under major spotlight to show improvement. Like Josh Heupel, you, if you lose, again, Alabama, I think they'll be really
1: good. But if you lose to Alabama at home, first year under DeBoer, the, the hell are we doing? You know what I mean? Like, and and that okay. may be, they may be underdogs in that game, but that, that's one I think fans are going to expect you to compete in. Like if you get blown out,
0: good God, good, how, good luck. You know what I mean? How the results look is almost as important, in my opinion. Like if I see, like that's a good game, for example, to pick. Say say same thing with Florida. If Florida is competitive with Georgia and they look pretty even in a game and they lose, while you get paid millions of dollars to win games, you also get paid millions of dollars to build a program. And if Tennessee is w- whatever ten and two, but they're very competitive against Alabama and Georgia in their losses, although they don't play Georgia this year, do they? Um, very competitive in their losses I, I, against good teams. I, I just I think we have reached a point in college football where we no longer like. I think it is important that we take losses in context and they are less important than they used to be losses like, like, in 1997, you had to go undefeated in 1998. You had to go undefeated. Like we don't value that, that loss like we did 25 years ago because the game has changed. The, the, the talent is balanced out. You know, if Hugh freeze and Auburn are nine and three over the next three years, you're going to look at those nine and threes very differently. This year you probably celebrate it. Next year you're kind of going all right, and then the following year you're kind of pissed off about it. But how do you look in those losses, and who are you losing to, and are you close to getting into the playoff? And that's where I think a human committee can look at a nine and three and decide the difference between a really good nine and three and a nine and three that's completely inflated by the schedule.
1: Wouldn't uh, and I don't follow Ohio State closely at all, but but wouldn't what what's going on with their coach kind of contradict that to where? He's got this amazing record, but he just, unfortunately for him, loses to uh, Michigan <laughs> three in well, a row. And and he, a, he may have concerned. like the second or third best record in, in college right now, but they'll run his ass off if he loses. If he goes 11-1 and and loses to Michigan, they, they may run him off.
0: I mean, if you're asking me if I think the Ohio State coach is held to a different standard than the Missouri coach, my answer is yes, they are. Because your question about the SEC was, doesn't it add pressure to other coaches to elevate and fill the vacuum behind Nick Saban? Mm-hmm. Whereas Ohio State is the Nick Saban. like They are the Alabama. And yeah. he is obviously held to a higher standard than Mark Stoops or Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss or even Mike Elko at a and Although you don't spend $70 million to fire a coach to, to go 9-3. and three. So uh, I do think expectations are different. But I think Brian Kelly did something really smart, which is I, every coach is going to do this. I think you're going to hear this all offseason. 10 wins. We just got to get to 10 wins. The, we've totally changed what the target is now in college football. It is not undefeated. No one's, it's going to be almost impossible to go undefeated unless you are the best of the best, Georgia, maybe Ohio State. The target is now 10 wins. That is what, how we will define success. If you get to 10 wins, you got a playoff spot, probably.
1: Hmm. What a, to your point, you, didn't you just say a 9 and 3
0: Florida could could make it if it's, if it's yeah. three good losses? Well, I'm just I hope the committee looks at it. <laughs> I just think I hope the committee looks at it that way. Yeah. That's all. Um but but again, like he, Okay, look, look, this is a good question for Tennessee and LSU fans. If you go 10 and 2 every year. Let's say six straight years of 10 and 2. And you never win an SEC championship and you never play in the SEC championship game, but every single year, all six years straight you make the playoffs. Isn't that defined as pretty damn good success? Probably win a couple of those games. Maybe you lose in the first round. Maybe you win a game or two. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, like, aren't isn't that how you're going to define, hey, we made the playoffs every year for six straight years? I don't I know. Think, I think fans pretty... would
1: rather have that than one SEC championship yeah. and, and miss the playoff the other years.
0: I completely agree. Purple says 10 wins and third in the SEC. That's like ideal almost. <laughs> I mean, Kirby Smart said it, right? He said as much at, at the meetings in Destin last year. He's like, I don't even want to play in the SEC championship game now. I just, <laughs> It's almost better not to have to play the extra game. Right. But again, that's where the human people on the committee are allowed to evaluate that and, and take it into account and use it as context. Because that would have happened two years ago with Tennessee. What's
1: really going to screw teams is when they make the SEC championship and lose, don't get that by so they get the extra game and then... Go, it
0: hopefully they make the playoff and then And another extra game yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: yeah I mean here's what I would say to that I agree with you in theory but if you're Georgia for example last year and you're good enough like honestly I still think Georgia was the best team in college football last year I just I've said it since mm-hmm. I said it since the day after the championship game uh, against Alabama if Georgia if it, they were a six seed right they were the six seed in the standings if they were a six seed in the new playoff, they would play what the 11, I think, right? The six would um, play the 11. Uh, I think that would have been either Ole Miss or Penn State, which we saw on paper and on the field last year wasn't close. So Georgia plays a home game. They get a huge amount of revenue because they play in that home game. So that's a celebration. You can sell season tickets holders to that. You sell a huge game day atmosphere. You make 10, 11, 12 million dollars to your local economy and you beat the shit out of Penn State or Ole Miss. And then you advance to the next round. Then Georgia plays who in the next round? I think they would have played Texas, I think, in the next round in a neutral field. Who are you picking to win that game? Georgia. Okay. So now you're into this national semifinal already, just like that. So while I get your point of like playing in the SEC for a 12 0 team is not fair and it extra stress on this this and this, if you are that good, you're going to you're going to overcome that. Like if you're Georgia good, you you, you you beat the tar out of somebody. Maybe, in a home, but you know. but what
1: if Carson? What if they lose Carson Beck in the SEC championship? Well, football, fo- football's football. I don't you know. You know what I mean? But then life ain't fair. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just saying that that extra game. You know, I think I think there's going to be calls for why in the hell are we playing this game
0: if nobody cares about it. Look, the the championship games were invented out of thin air to make money. That thank you, Roy Kramer. <laughs> so. I mean, SEC champ- championship games across the country are not better ways to determine a champion. That that is there just to make money. So I, I I have no argument with you on that. But they're there, and they make a fortune, and so they're not gonna they're not gonna be get they're not gonna get rid of them. And now they're tied to automatic bids, right? So now that they're tied to automatic bids, they're we're, we're, they're definitely not going anywhere. Also, they make too much money, so. What if there's no automatic bids, though? Because they That would be
1: nice. That's another thing Chris Lowe was talking about. He, he said Sankey would be happy with 12, yep. Yep.
0: 12 uh, yeah, at-larges. Yeah, because the SEC would get more, <laughs> more spots. <laughs> exactly. All you got to do is type... Everything Greg Sankey says is about what makes the SEC more money. That's his job. That's his job. And nine conference games, at-large bids, more playoff spots, conference championship game, Etc. 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 It all makes the SEC more money. Mm-hmm. So. It's going to be a crazy eight years, man, before they change the system to an official uh, employee revenue sharing, <laughs> collective bargaining <laughs> agreement, where we actually have the Big Ten and the SEC, and they're the only two teams that make the playoffs, two conferences. That's coming in like 2031 or 2032. It's going to be a fun nine years before that, though. And <laughs> Florida State still stuck in the ACC. How great would that be? Right. Well, they'll get out of it at that point. That's the time they get out of it, like twenty thirty two. I thought it was thirty six. Well, they'll negotiate thirty six. They'll negotiate the last couple of years. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I they'll just negotiate. like I like to see them squirm. Well, they don't. They don't like where they are right now. <laughs> That's for sure. I, I mean, the lawsuit they filed against the ACC is comical. It's not going to work, but we'll see. It's kind of like an NCAA law, uh, investigation into NIL. <laughs> it's kind of the same. <laughs> kind of the same um yeah espn can kill the acc in 2027 here's the difference they don't want to do that though the the acc right now for espn is one of the best television contracts in all of sports they get all the acc basketball games they get all the big time basketball matchups mixed with clemson and florida state and notre dame football games some of notre dame's football games and and a five game schedule with Notre Dame, they get all those games and they get them at a hugely discounted rate. So ESPN is not incentivized to blow it all up Mm -hmm. at all. They're incentivized to keep it intact. Um, What's going to be interesting is if there are other suitors for the college football playoff television rights, if it gets shared with like Fox or even a streaming service or NBC or CBS, and they want to split it up into four ways, the way the NFL does in the playoffs, uh, that is when you're going to see them ask for bigger brands because what they want is better football games to sell. That's what they want. They hey, want they'll probably get it. I don't know why they wouldn't. This, again, 2032, there's going to be two power conferences. The question is, does Vanderbilt make the cut? Hmm. And I don't know if they do. Ooh. <laughs> if you're a TV executive and I come to you and I say, all right, look, we're going to have a 16-team playoff. It's going to be the Big Ten and the SEC. And we want to sell you $4 billion worth of games. Who do you want in that field? Do you want Florida State and Clemson? Or do you want Vanderbilt and Mississippi State? Which one do you want?
1: Which one makes you more money? How about this, though? I was, th- And I don't know if, if he would do it. But I, I could see reasons to do it. Vanderbilt hires... Deion Sanders, because I think that's the only way to do it at Vanderbilt, where you gotta bring in sixty transfers like he's done, and he'll be in the SEC. You know, as much as people get tired of hearing about it, I I literally never heard about Colorado the last like twenty years, like they were completely irrelevant. And then they're all over television. That could be Vanderbilt. Why couldn't that be? You know what I mean? I, I mean, I, I don't know. Built, I, I think that's the move.
0: A, because it's a house of straw, I don't know. I mean, Dion is Dion cares about one thing, Dion, mm-hmm. and I don't know how long the experiment lasts at Colorado. I mean, he did the exact same thing at Jackson State, and now people at Jackson State and in the HBCUs hate it, hate the guy. <laughs> they can't stand him. <laughs> they can't stand him. So uh, now, as a middle-aged white guy, I can't comment on all the the reasons they hate him, uh, but. I don't know, man. Like, I think it's okay to say, how long are you in this for, Dion?" And sure, it might make a ton of money for Vanderbilt in the short term, but, like, is that sustainable? I, I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. They need to do something different. Like, it's the same reason Mississippi State keeps hiring offensive minds to do a different offense because it makes them more competitive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Vanderbilt should be the triple op- Like I said they should be running the triple option for, like, 25 years. They should be Navy or Army. Right, but that doesn't or, get
1: – I mean, he, that makes them a little bit of a tougher out in the league, but it, zero attention. I, and I if I'm Vanderbilt, that's, that's what I'm going for too.
0: You and I talk to Feinbaum all the time, and I've had Feinbaum on the record on this. I, I asked, are there teams in the SEC that should be worried when there's a future breakaway of the top 40 or 50 brands that are sold in the college football package? Are there teams in the SEC that should be worried about not making that cut? And his answer has been yes every time I've asked him. And th- this was a great point by John, and I agree.
1: Academic standards would would be too steep for Dion. We do away with that immediately. That well, that'd, be, well, that'd be part of me coming. You got you got to let me sign whoever the hell
0: I yeah. want, and, and to hell with yeah, academic standards. And, and becoming a part of a collectively bargained employee agreement, academics then is no longer really a big factor there either. You got to clear a certain level. And, and again, let's again, let's be clear. Let's be clear. Um, getting into school is not difficult for anybody at any school. It is the class load that you have to take. Like Georgia Tech, for example, you have to take like X amount of math at Georgia Tech mm. each semester. And it's why they have a tougher time recruiting players, because it's just like it's such a hard class load. Semester in semester out that it's it's staying eligible. It's not getting you into school is the problem, just for the record. But Mississippi Wait, State is. I mean, I'm blowing I honestly, that all up
1: when I hire Dion. I mean, Dion. I let Dion
0: set the uh, academic calendar. Again, if you're a television executive, you go Northwestern, Vanderbilt, Rutgers. I think Indiana makes it because maybe because of basketball. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure if Mississippi State, if you look at the brands that move the needle, there are a couple of SEC teams that I would be concerned about. Like, does Kentucky football move the needle? I love watching them. SEC fans like watching Kentucky Wait, games. Wait, so we're going to
1: trash a hundred years of history
0: for for what now? For TV executives? Well, hasn't? Have you been watching college football the last twenty years? The Pac-12 is gone. That, right, that's but that's, hundred years of history.
1: That's why I'm saying. That's why I think this Big Ten is going to be a joke, and with cross country travel and all, like I don't know. I, I don't think. I think that's a bridge too far for the SEC, and I, I think that's what makes it great. Strong leadership. Again, the guy that. That was at was at the center of this Big Ten move. His ass is gone. He didn't give a damn.
0: You're talking about Jim Delaney?
1: Well, no, no. Who's the guy after? Uh, oh, Warren? Kevin
0: Warren. Yeah. He's the he, he, president he give of the a shit. bears.
1: You know what I mean? Like, that's that's
0: not the SEC. I tend like I know what you're saying. Um the, the tradition runs deeper, right? Like the connective tissue is stronger. Certainly, like, between Ole Miss and Mississippi State, for example. Like, mm-hmm. But it's always – it's the same argument why – like, remember that year, 2014, first year of the playoff, Mississippi State and Ole Miss were, like, one and two in the rankings? Oh, yeah. Everyone's like, oh, SEC bias. E- ESPN would not make money off two schools from Mississippi <laughs> making the playoff. <laughs> they would not make money on that. They make money on Notre Dame and Ohio State and Penn State and Texas and USC, and, and they make money on the huge brands. Right. and if you if you have a 40 team breakaway that are under a television umbrella that are employees that are collectively bargained with revenue sharing and NIL where schools can pay the players and it's all very much above board which is what's going to happen that will include USC UCLA Washington and Oregon and a bunch of Big 10 schools most of the SEC but it will put a major strain on some of that co- that connective tissue like South Carolina. I love Williams Bryce at night. I love the, you know, space mm-hmm. odyssey, 2001. We all do. We love Arkansas. We love South Carolina, Mississippi state, Ole Miss, Kentucky, Missouri. We love all these teams. Do the television executives, do they move needle for the television executives? I've asked Paul Feinbaum this question. You have two. he, his answer is, I don't know. I don't think so. So we'll see. Hmm. I guess, but I mean, I, I, think, I just think the Big Ten was so
1: blah outside of two or three, maybe four
0: programs. That's why they had to add all these. But see, that's where you're wrong about television executives. They may not be great on the field, but they have huge alumni bases. That's the difference. There, there, are, there are more people in the city of Chicago mm-hmm. than like eight SEC states. So it's about eyes and ears. Like Wisconsin, huge alumni base. Iowa, huge alumni base. Michigan State, huge alumni base. It's not about good football. It's about alumni base and size of audience, right? Well, and we so, gotta we gotta figure
1: out if we we want these people running our damn sport. I don't.
0: Well, right now it's it's Greg Sankey and Tony Patetti, the Big Ten Commissioner. Tony Petiti, excuse me. They, they run the sport, but they're just doing what the schools want, which is make as much money as possible. And the TV executives are writing huge checks. It's all that this is. So the question is, who outside of the two two conferences could make more money? It's Florida State, Clemson, maybe North Carolina. I don't know if Oklahoma State moves the needle. I'd love to see Oklahoma State in the SEC. I think that'd be great. Get Bedlam back together. They they have an SEC energy and vibe about them. I think that would be fun. I don't know how much mo- I don't know how much money they make people though. So. I don't know how this branched off into an expansion conversation. (laughs) (laughs) It's the offseason. I wanted to talk about Florida, Auburn, Kentucky, and and Texas A&M because I think those are the four teams that are not ranked in the top 25 that I think are the four to watch as this year's Missouri or Ole Miss. One of those four teams is going to break out and break into the playoff conversation. Mm -hmm. Could also break into a dumpster fire. (laughs) But those are the four that I think have a chance to take a huge jump forward. And I don't know which one it is. But I, I lean A&M just because I trust in Elko. I trust in the talent. I think they've got a quarterback. I think they're building a really good coaching staff. I trust – and I think they can beat Texas at home at the end of the year in what is going to be the most, most emotional football game that we've ever seen.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, honestly, so, I'm surprised they're not – that they didn't make the top 25 here.
0: They're pretty close in our rankings. And in fact, by the time we actually do it officially, it might, they they might make it into like 23, 24, 25. Mm-hmm. I mean, Florida's interesting. Offense is going to be pretty good. Defense has to be very, very good. Schedule incredibly difficult, but the defense sucks. Auburn is going to be much better. But how much better? I don't know. I think Kentucky is kind of a sneaky team, but I don't think they're good enough to jump into the, you know, the top 20. A&M is the one that's kind of checks all the boxes, in my opinion. So,
1: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Kentucky, I don't know. I'm not feeling too good about them cats, especially after losing Liam Cohen. How bad does that suck for a guy like Brock Vandegrift that, you know, you, ha- you, ha- you have to believe, you know, he got sold on. We, we can, the guy that got Will Levis to the NFL, or at least got him on their radar, we can do it for you. And I'm sure they'll, they'll try to go to, to a similar
0: system, but I don't know. Good luck. I, I think it's, it's way more hurtful to Kentucky than it is beneficial. where do you go, Carol? where do you go? Um, Tampa, Tampa. I, I think it is. way. I think Kentucky hurts way more than Liam Cohen wins by going to Tampa. Like what is he going to do in Tampa? Like, I don't, I don't understand the move for him. I, the mm-hmm. NFL is the NFL, I guess. So you get to be a, a coordinator. Um, I guess the last guy in Tampa, Dave Canellis, you know, took Baker Mayfield and turned him into a head coaching job for the Carolina Panthers. So I guess there's, there's a way to, 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 to do that. But I think it hurts for Kentucky in a bunch bigger way because Mark Stoops has not proven that he can consistently hire really good offensive coordinators. I mean, he went so far
1: last time, Braden, and I—I I know you know this, but I, he went so far as to hire Rich Scangarello, who also was from that tree, yep. and hired an offensive line coach that worked with Scangarello in San Francisco. I mean, it, yep. you would think that would be like perfect marriage, and then it would just—it blew up in their face, and they—they they had to bring Cohen back.
0: I, uh, not everybody from one particular tree is like you know right. the perfect, the perfect coordinator. Um, so what do you do? That was all Shanahan Lafleur.
1: Do you try to do that again, or do, or do you do something completely different?
0: I, I think you need to look at your personnel. And if Brock Vandergriff needs to be running a different system, you also have to look at it from a long-term perspective, too. So, like, the problem with hiring offensive coordinators, the difficulty is if they're really, really great, they move on quickly, right? If you hire a guy that's really good, he's going to move on quickly. Um, I, I think in the short term, you have to maximize your, your, your players' abilities, and does Brock Vandergriff fit into that sort of pro style McVeigh Shanahan offense, or do you need to bring in more of that Baylor offense, which is more Lane Kiffin, Jeff Levy and, and Josh Heupel? Like I, I don't know. His athletic ability would tell you that you probably want to find an offense that utilizes his full skill set.
1: Right. I what do you? Would what guess.
0: would you think about someone like Tommy Reese? Tommy Reese strikes me as far. Well, he already more went of a, to
1: the NFL, didn't he? Uh, he yeah. strikes
0: me as far more of a pro style guy, though. Like. Mm-hmm. He he ran that kind of offense with Notre Dame, and honestly, I know he was quote unquote holding back Jalen Milrow until like the LSU game, and then he turned him loose. But like, I don't know why Jalen Milrow didn't have like 900 yards rushing last year. <laughs> but is that? I mean, is that? That's what Cohen did NFL style. Well, but it's yes, but it's like if you look at the Will Levis team from two years, like his first year there, when Cohen was there, not when Scarrillo was there. Like, his offense was really good. Like, you want to run a pro offense, but a pro offense, like Shanahan's, for example, uses a lot of versatile pieces, Mm -hmm. and it uses a running game as well. So, like, I I don't – you don't have to do, like, Matt – there's different types of versions of that offense. The Matt Stafford version of the McVay offense is very different than the Will Levis version of the offense, which is very different than the Jordan Love version of the same offense, which is very different than how Brock Purdy runs the offense, which is very different than Jimmy Garoppolo running the offense. Like, they're all very different, but they're all the same scheme. I would want to fit something to the quarterback skill set if he's truly your starting quarterback. I don't know. That's what I would. That's what I would want to do.
1: Or maybe get someone that. Uh, I mean, you don't just hire a guy because the quarterback, but someone no, that but has it, ties, yeah. you know, to Kirby's program that that knew Vandegrift, that that knew what he could do. Like a uh, what's that guy's name? Buster Faulkner. He's at Georgia Tech. Someone
0: I don't, I like don't. that would make sense. I think you have to marry what your vision is for your offense with the personnel you have and find the right guy, but you also have to kind of ignore. I don't know. I know I just said you have to cater to the quarterback in the short term, but like long-term you have to ignore the quarterback because you don't know who you're going to go get mm-hmm. in next year's portal or recruiting or whatever. So I, I don't know. I, I, I think that system in college that works is the, I mean, Lincoln Riley's system, and Steve Sarkeesian's system are, are among the best systems, quote unquote, in all of college football. Caelan DeBoer's system. Um, but Caelan DeBoer, if you notice, like everyone, the, he comes off of the air raid tree, but clearly does not run the air raid. With Penix, at least. So I assume mm-hmm. it's going to be very different with Jalen Milrow. So again, I, Mark Stoops just has to show me that he can hire, consistently hire good offensive coordinators. He hasn't done that yet. And I li- and you know me, I like Stoops. So. Oh, hey, one thing real quick. want to get your thoughts on this.
1: You know, I didn't. I didn't follow Oklahoma cl- closely at all when they were in the Big Twelve. I started to last year, but um, you know, they they always talk about what a damn liar that Lincoln Riley is. And did you see he did this interview the other day where he said Caleb Williams, he was ready to walk on in Oklahoma because we did because we weren't sure we wanted him or, or something stupid like that. And if you remember. For those that follow recruiting, Caleb Williams was, like, number one prospect in the country, five-star. <laughs> Pretty high. His, his options were, like, LSU, and this was right after Joe Burrow. So it was, like, red hot. You know, the, I'm sure they pitched you, you could be the next Joe yeah. Burrow. Yeah. And, and, of course, he went to
0: Oklahoma. But uh, why why in the hell would he say something so, so asinine like that? Well, that's that's on par for Lincoln Riley. I mean, like, he's he's the guy who closed it. So all the things he did at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Like close practice, act, act petty around the media, you know, act silly with some comments and like take offense to everything. Be super sensitive with rabbit ears and like hear everything. Very James Franklin-y. Um, I think what's <laughs> in, what's interesting is you can do it in Norman and kind of get away with it, and no yeah. one in the national media cares because you have so much power in Norman, you can do it. When you do the same stuff in in Los Angeles, everyone notices and is like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> so. I, I think that's the difference is in the small little, <laughs> a small little media market, you can kind of control that stuff a lot more. And Lincoln Riley did that. Now he's doing the same silly stuff, but he's doing it in a much bigger place with much more coverage and much brighter spotlights. He just won a Heisman, like USC is going to the Big Ten. like. And now people are just like, what? What?"
1: <laughs> I just strange. thought that was, that was acid. There there's no way he,
0: unless he was kidding about the guy walking on, there's no way Caleb Williams was walking on. I mean, he wasn't laughing. I saw
1: the clip. I I didn't watch the
0: whole interview. Was he was he like deadpan or something? Like, was he doing it? No, he was joke? just
1: making it out to like I, I'm such a god God's gift to quarterbacks that
0: you know this this elite guy was was ready to walk on if I didn't offer him. Well, that's complete garbage. Uh, I, will say, <laughs> I will say, I will say, I talked to a, so when when um, when Mike Leach passed away, RIP. I, I did a lot of research talking to coordinators around the country about the system and like why did Mike Leach. His system is the most influential system in the history of college football, at least modern history of college football. But he never really, on purpose, evolved into the best version of it, if that makes sense. He refused to run the football just out of pure Mike Leachness. God bless him. And the, na- the name that I got from everybody from the Air Raid system, and I probably talked to half a dozen coordinators, and I said, who, did, who has done the Mike Leach system the best? Who has taken the Mike Leach system and made it the best? this was a year and a half ago. And every single one, all six coaches said Lincoln Riley. That Lincoln Riley's run scheme packaged with the air raid is the most difficult scheme that, that has ever come off the Mike Leach tree. And Kalen DeBoer is now kind of challenging that a little bit, I think. But, and now he's got Alabama players to work with. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. We, we, we'll see. Lincoln Riley, I think has his own, Again, I think he's very James Franklin. I think they're, they're, they get in their own way of having really elite teams, and like they're the, they're the last thing that stops the team from winning. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like James Franklin's like, I've got an elite football team. We're great. We're going to be a one-loss team this year, but I'm going to hand the ball off when I should take a knee at the end of the game, and I'm going to screw it all up. So I think Lincoln Riley gets in his own way. Anyway, is that about it? Fair enough. I'm going to an SEC basketball game tonight. How about that? Wh- wh- who's playing? I'm going to go watch. Uh, I'm going to watch the decrepit Kentucky Wildcats. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, I feel I feel bad for you now. No, I'm going to watch. Kentucky's good. Kentucky's good. Dillingham really? was just Dillingham was sick over the weekend, but not good enough. Just wasn't good enough. There's very few things. There's very few things that should warm the heart of Big Orange Nation more than Rick Barnes going into Rupp Arena and winning. so no I'm gonna go check out Kentucky tonight they're playing Vanderbilt Kentucky should win by a lot of points (laughs) so all right uh anyway we could do more rankings throughout the course of the offseason if we want to so there we go no he does not Andrew he does not but he could not miss on Saturday that dude was sick he was sick on Saturday just buckets 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 even my seven-year-old was like that Even my seven-year-old daughter was like someone needs to cover him (laughs) I was like yes I was like yes honey you understand basketball now good job uh okay all right uh anything else are we good that sec podcast 440 sports give us a subscription we do appreciate it uh i'm gonna have sec coach rankings coming up on the website this week as well so make sure you check that out uh give us a subscription anywhere you get your podcast as well you can do that there we had a long conversation with david waters of gators breakdown about the gators up there so go check that out i know you've got all kinds of power rankings as well on uh, your site so thank you guys for hanging out we do appreciate it Uh, otherwise we'll hang out with you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll talk to you then. Have a great weekend, everybody.
1: Bye-bye.